a lot of time people think that, oh, inner child healing is only if you had a quote unquote bad childhood. But I had a great childhood. Mom and dad were really wonderful. And so to that, I say congratulations. There's obviously no obvious big trauma. But mom and dad's job wasn't only to not traumatize you. It was to help you develop functionally, uh, to become a functional adult that knows how to take care of their needs and wants, give themselves what they need and want, set healthy limits and boundaries with the self and others, know how to connect to themselves, know how to be authentic and vulnerable and connect with other people, how to be mature, accountable, responsible for yourself and out in the world. So you want to see those as subjects and either they passed along functional learning or dysfunctional learning. Hello and welcome to The Lucy Lou Show, the fueling station for your mind, business and life. And now here's your host, Lucy Liu. Hello, hello, beautiful souls. Welcome to another episode on The Lucy Liu Show. And I'm really excited today to have my special guest, Annette Perry. She is an inner child healing expert in the coaching and wellness space, and she's devoted her whole life to empowering those at the forefront of the coaching industry, helping coaches, healers, and all types of business leaders scale their business, overcome overwhelm, build confidence, and master their craft while attracting ideal clients. That sounds nice to me. Welcome to the show, Annette. Thanks, Lucy, for having me. I'm so excited to have you because I feel inner child is such an important topic to cover. And before I became a coach, I became a coach and I went after all these different types of education for myself. I actually never knew about inner child healing. So just in case someone who is new to inner child, let's just begin there. What is inner child? Yeah, so your inner child is your emotions. I want you to think of what whether you are feeling joyful and happy and horny. So yes, more of those. Or you are anxious, fearful, sad, angry. No matter what it is, I want you to think of the metaphor of that is a you know the little the little girl, little boy in you. That anytime you're feeling anything, it's like that little girl walking into your bedroom and that's the part of you that's saying, I feel dot, 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 or there's some fear there, some belief there, something that wants to be expressed there. And understanding that, what does that child need to fully feel nurtured in that moment? And when we can separate it from it being us and in our head, and I'll give, I'll give a, a practice for that in a little bit then we're able to meet it with a lot more compassion or to recognize that in that moment, that little one needs you to hold them, listen, give presence, love, compassion, understanding, not why are you feeling that way? Or, oh, that's because you're a loser. It's never going to work for you. Like where we end up fueling our emotions. So the inner child is really the part of you that has that holds all your beliefs and all your emotions. Mm. So what triggers inner child? Yeah, I mean, anything and everything, right? For some of us, it could be that what triggers you is actually when things are peaceful and calm. Because you grew up, let's say, in a home where it was chaotic all the time. And so chaos is familiar. Familiar to you, familiar to your nervous system. 
it's a familiar experience emotion that what may trigger you is when things are calm and peaceful. You may feel hypervigilant or like the shoe's about to drop and actually want to create the chaos, sabotage. So it could be anything from that to when we are either met with a challenge or an opportunity for growth. So whether you're met with a, with a challenge or an opportunity for growth, knowing that either way, both scenarios are going to bring up some emotion in you. And the better you get at riding these emotions, of being with these emotions, the more you're willing to meet that challenge or that opportunity. And so when you think of emotions, not only there's the practice of picturing that little one coming into the room and envisioning that and what that little one needs, but also relating to your emotions, relating to that inner child at the level of energy, the level of sensation. You know, a lot of times we label our emotions as good or bad. And if they're bad, then we go into, I need to fix it. Like there's something wrong. And the I need to fix it is then the mind taking over. And there is no fixing. There's only feeling through emotions. It's not for the mind to fix. It's for the nervous system to digest and to process. And the language of the nervous system is sensation. Excitement and anxiety feel very similar in our body. It just depends. Did your boss call you into the office and say, we need to have a meeting? Or are you walking down the aisle about to marry the love of your life? And so if we remove the stories about it and we get curious as to where do I feel this in my body? What is it bringing up for me? Does it have a temperature, a size, a texture, color? Is it moving? Is it still? Is it heavy? Is it light? All of these relating to it in a way that there's no judgment. There just is the energy that's there. What you're doing is you're giving the nervous system time to actually digest and process it, expanding your capacity to get familiar with an energy that may feel unfamiliar. And when it's unfamiliar, it feels scary and we want to fix it to familiar. When it becomes familiar, then what you just did is you expanded your capacity. You can handle more energy. You can handle more. So how does inner child affect our personal and professional life? Well, everything that you learned, you learned by the time you were seven years old, for the most part. And then it's just repeated from there. Everything is inherited. It's not who you are. It's what you learned. And so there's certain beliefs that maybe you inherited. Like if your mom was very attentive to you, like, oh, mom was a great mom. Yeah, I don't have any issues there. And you may be challenged with taking time for yourself, for self-caring. And I ask you, well, what did mom model to you in this area? Well, mom was always busy taking care of us. I never really saw her do anything for herself. Oh, so she was a great, loving, attentive mother to you. But she also didn't show any time when she really paused and took care of herself or did something for herself. And so in that moment, you learn to put others first, that you don't, that your needs don't matter or don't have needs. And suddenly as an adult, here you are struggling to take time for yourself, to tend to yourself. So that's an example of how it affects us personally. And the reason I say mom and not dad is because mom is the role model for the self. That is, you know, from the moment you were born and mom held you, you didn't know that it was mom's, you know, you didn't understand mom. 
You didn't know that who you were looking at was your mom, but her voice and her energy felt familiar to you because you just spent nine months in that. And so in that moment, you don't see mom as separate. You see mom is me. I am mom. So she is that extension of the self. And so she's your role model for everything related to how you treat yourself, see yourself, take care of yourself. And you either copy exactly or you rebel, you do the opposite of what mom modeled or there was a need to survive. There was some incident or traumatic experience that you needed to create some way to behave to survive that. Mm. And then there's dad. Dad is the role model for everything that's not the self, everything outside of you. So he's your world. He is love. He is a first experience of love. When dad first held you, you experienced the love that was different than mom's love. And so a lot of us, we hold dad up on a pedestal and he either lives up to it or he breaks your heart. And so dad, you want to think of him as the teacher, the role model for everything that is about how to be out in the world, about purpose, about vulnerability, connecting with others, relationship with others, love. And again, we look at him as the role model for that. We look at mom and dad's relationship for what's possible in love. What's possible for myself out in love with another? Who do you think needs inner child healing? Um, Everyone that's ever been a child. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that you asked that because a lot of times people think that, oh, Inner child healing is only if you had a quote unquote bad childhood, but I had a great childhood. Mom and dad were really wonderful. And so to that, I say congratulations. There's obviously no obvious big trauma, but mom and dad's job wasn't only to not traumatize you. It was to help you develop functionally, uh, to become a functional adult that knows how to take care of their needs and wants, give themselves what they need and want, set healthy limits and boundaries with the self and others, know how to connect to themselves, know how to be authentic and vulnerable and connect with other people, how to be mature, accountable, responsible for yourself and out in the world. So you want to see those as subjects and either they passed along functional learning or dysfunctional learning. Like the example I gave with the mom who was so wonderful and so attentive to her family and a home and kids, but completely self-abandoned herself and what that might have taught you about how to take care of your needs and your wants. And so it's an opportunity for everyone and it's also, again, there's, there, there's twofold to it. One part is looking at your what you learned and wanting to become better at your limits and boundaries and your needs and wants and all of that and becoming more functional as an adult. And then long term, past that, it's about your nervous system. It's about the emotions. It's about building your capacity to have more range. Because like I said, life's going to keep handing you opportunities for growth or challenges. And if you, the better you are at tending to your inner child, the more access you have to living your life heart-centered, heart-open, meaning vulnerable, meaning with courage, not with fear. And so you're going to expand more. You're going to make more of an impact. You're going to live a more authentic life than if you are 
not tending to your inner child. And when you don't tend to your inner child, you know who you know who steps in? Your ego. Your ego is your amigo. Your ego is the ultimate protector when kind of like if you don't take care of your child, you need a babysitter there. But you know the babysitter's never gonna take care or raise your child as well as you do. They're just going to like put them in front of TV and feed them pizza, right? Just say yes to them. Same thing. Your ego is not actually going to support the tending to the inner child. It's just there to distract. Let's, let's focus externally to feel better instead of let's feel our way to feel better. And so that's why you see people out in the world. If they're, if, if they're, not tending to their emotions. If they're hiding the fact that they're really insecure or they're afraid, they might put on this other persona, this ego of, well, I'll just be the tough guy or, you know, I will outdo everyone. And so they're ego driven out in the world. And so I think the real ultimate gift that we get to give ourselves and give the future of humanity is to learn how to heal our inner child and tend to that child so that we can operate with more of our heart, with more love, with more care for ourselves and therefore each other and the world. Yes, I love that. Beautifully said. So what's your best example of inner child healing work? Sure, sure. So I recently had a client who went through a breakup and he and his partner were very clear that like we've given it our best past three years, like it's good. Yet he found himself like spiraling into shame and beating himself up weeks later of like, did I do everything that I could? Was I the bad one? Did I do everything wrong? And he was just spiraling in shame, constant shame, which is, you know, beating himself up in our session together. I had him explore, well, whose energy is this? Who modeled this to me, to you? This like, you know, be hard on yourself. And he's like, oh, this is my mom. My mom used to yell at me or get upset with me if I didn't load the dishwasher properly or I didn't do this properly. Everything was always you're doing it wrong. And I just wanted her to sit and play with me and tell me like, it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. And so there was a lot to reparent there around how what he actually needed from mom. So there's a process I take my clients through called the five stages of healing. Stage one is the awareness of what is actually there that, you know, which was that he was being hard on himself and who modeled it, mom. Stage two is the acceptance of it. It's the hardest stage for people to move through on their own because acceptance means there's nothing to fix or change. Can you be with what, what, what that was like for the little one? What, what was that like for him to feel that way? And to fully allow to experience that as that was what would happen or what is happening now, like the shame, like just a lot of validation, giving yourself a lot of validation to feel whatever it is that you're feeling. And then moving into whatever was at the root of it, which we discovered was mom always feeling like things need to be a right way because that's the way that she felt safe and that she can control the situation. And what he actually needed in that moment was for mom to be loving, present, compassionate with him and play with him. And so we move into stage four, which is the reparenting. And when it's mom related, it's about giving yourself what you needed from mom. 
So in that moment for him to sit and be kind and gentle and compassionate with himself around his the end of his relationship and to forgive himself for that and to feel the upsets around that where he's hard up on himself around that. And then what emerged is part of stage four, which is the rewiring of like what's possible and available now for yourself with yourself that wasn't before. And he's like, um, I get to play. I get to just be kind and compassionate and play. And it gave access to him and going into stage five, which is the integration, the stabilization, the education of how now that I'm playing this new role of someone that instead of taking on mom's energy of being hard on himself, I'm learning to be kind and compassionate and listening to that part with someone like that act out in the world. And he was like more free. Yeah, there's a lot more freedom. And I really just want to, and he saw where it was bleeding into his work, where everything had had to be rigid and perfect. And he, he, there was no wiggle room. He was like, I'm going to integrate this by having more fun, more play. He's like, I haven't, he's like, I have this drum set. I haven't played in forever. I'm going to play that. I have this guitar. Like there's just ways that I want to play with myself. Just like I wanted mom to not make it all about accomplishing things and doing things right. And so that was his integration. And he messaged me two days later and he's like, he's like, I haven't, I haven't spiraled at all. And actually uh, about six weeks later, he, he met the love of his life and she just met his parents. So, yeah. That's so beautiful. What a beautiful story. And I love that five very clear steps. And I think everything always starts with awareness, no matter what you're shooting for, what problems you want to solve in your life, but everything always start with the awareness, right? And obviously, if you feel like you need to have inner child healing, work with an expert, definitely look into reparenting further, which is step four. I think that's very, very crucial in this healing work. Yeah, you know, in my in my 19 years of being in this industry, uh, I spent the first eight of it with tools that only went from stage one awareness to like stage five. Like just hop, just like, oh, you don't, oh, become aware of this and just fix it by doing this instead. And it never integrated, it never lasted because there was no room for it. It's like a weed that you trim. You can't really plant a new seed there. And so to me, I think for the listeners, if there's an area of your life or something that you've been working to shift, like you're very aware of it and you've been trying to make changes, right? And now you're, you, you've been resigned about it because you're like, hey, this is probably never going to change. I really invite you to look at what stage did you skip? And, and now give yourself that opportunity to fully move through it and know that like deep lasting healing and transformation is possible, but there are stages to it. And uh, you, you can't skip them. Beautifully said. So where can we find you? Yeah, so I hang out on Instagram. I post on there. I will DM new followers because I really love to get to know who's following me and give you a chance to like share about yourself. And uh, on my website, trainingcampforthesoul.com. Perfect. What is your favorite quote, by the way? Um, not who you are. It's what you learned. 
And if you learned it, you can unlearn it. Mm, I like that one. The unlearning part, it's... mm. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks, Lucy, for having me. To all the beautiful souls listening, thank you for joining me on this episode of The Lucy Lou Show. When I'm not podcasting, I am coaching high-achieving women in life transitions, getting unstuck, kissing overwhelmed goodbye, and living a more joyful and fulfilled life through strategic goal setting and mindset transformation. It would mean the world to me if you subscribe, rate, or share this with a friend. And don't forget to join me for the next episode. Remember, there is always a way and more blessings are coming your way. For free resources and show notes, head over to lucylucoaching.com. 